Welcome to Liz Collin Reports. On the podcast, a Minnesota state senator attempts to keep drag queens away from kids in a bill introduced at the Capitol. Senator Eric Bucero, a Republican who represents East Central Minnesota. Thanks so much for, for joining me to talk more about this. Well, thank you for the opportunity to join you. It is definitely an important topic, as many of the things are happening down at the Capitol this session. And, and I, I say that it's kind of uh, difficult for me to wrap my head around um, that we even have to have uh, th- this conversation. Hard, hard to believe this day and age. But I- explain what you're hoping to accomplish uh, with Senate Bill 933. Well, and, and you're spot on. It truly is a, a sad testimony to where we've come, where we've degenerated, in my opinion, as a society to the present state. So as we look back the last number of years, we've seen an incremental approach by radical progressives to go after our children, targeting their minds and introducing them to topics that are not appropriate. Uh, and as we've seen recently now, whether it be in uh, public libraries or other venues, children are being exposed to the performances of drag queens And what my bill seeks to do is to classify these performances as adult entertainment. You posted what I would call a disturbing video uh, to go along with this uh, push for the bill and and getting parents to to sign a petition in support. But it shows parents cheering their kids on, uh, giving drag queens money. We've done plenty of of stories on this kind of thing here at Alpha News, too. But there really is no restrictions on this kind of thing in, in Minnesota, correct? Well, and, you know, one wouldn't think that would have to uh, restrict this type of content from being exposed to children. But, yeah, that's just another testimony to where we've degenerated in our society. So, yes, we it's been a longstanding practice in Minnesota statute to prohibit adult entertainment and sexual performances from being in certain locations in certain cities and uh, certainly protecting our children from being exposed to such inappropriate content that uh, this hasn't been part of the classification. But yes, we've gotten to a point now where absolutely that's what we need to do is to classify these sexualized grooming performances as adult entertainment. Again, not to just protect the safety of our children physically, but to protect their minds because that's what these performances are doing is they're targeting the minds of our children, desensitizing them, and making it so that our children are more receptive to this, again, unhealthy sexual behavior. You've been petitioning parents on this, and we'll go ahead and provide that link in this story as well. What's the reaction been? Is it it something they even know is happening? You also have this push, I think, by the mainstream media to sort of normalize all of this. um, And a lot of people just don't even believe that, you know, that this is happening in in the world uh, around them. And also a media that kind of cheers this thing on as well. Well, exactly. We've seen uh, also another advent of the modern day of corporate legacy media either flat out ignoring these types of of damaging content or giving only a positive spin to such a very detrimental type of behavior. And so, yes, it's been up to myself and other legislators to try to do an end run around these gatekeepers that are not properly reporting and get the awareness out to uh, parents across the state as to what is happening. And that's what uh, I and others are doing is trying to get the awareness and then uh, being able to 
to collaborate with these groups of parents that want to protect their children so that when there's activity at the Capitol, they can come down, be it testify uh, for or against uh, legislation to be able to rally as recently happened on other related uh, topics that are, are just as shocking that parents were made aware because of alternative uh, media to be able to come down to the Capitol and make their voice heard. And you probably are referring to this uh, trans refuge bill that we see pass in the early morning hours on on Friday. And this is something that 69 percent of Minnesotans polled by the Center of the American Experiment did not support these uh, child sex surgeries and and in in many ways, uh, you know, trouncing on on parental rights. It really has just been a head scratcher, it seems, um, all session with with so many uh, of these issues. You know, and, and it truly is, you know, if you look at where the priorities are of these radical progressive Democrats, so much of their legislation seems to be sexually oriented. Senate file one, House file one having to do with abortion and making reproductive uh, uh, health care a fundamental right, independent of age. And so you've got children that are, are, are now per state law by radical progressive Democrats able to make uh, uh changes to their body that are not uh, uh, reversible or and do, and do so without parental consent or even knowledge. Then with this most recent bill that we're, you're, you just referenced, uh, where parents did come down and try to make a trans refuge, because the, the radical progressives are so out of the, the mainstream, and again, I, 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 I've spoken with others, this is not just bad policy. This is even beyond evil. This is truly a satanic agenda that is put positioning Minnesota to to not cooperate with law enforcement or other legal efforts where where they where there are states that do want to protect children and do want to make sure that these uh, uh, this type of content is is not accessible to children that. Minnesota, again, you can bring your child here, you could potentially kidnap children, bring them to Minnesota, and then they will be able to access this type of of care. And I wouldn't even call it care. It's mutilation uh, in many cases. And this is is not somewhere we should be. This is truly downright satanic where these radical progressives are positioning Minnesota. Turning your attention to the budget now, uh, the Democrats have decided to spend the nearly $18 billion surplus after all. Shocking, uh, right? But your reaction to, to that move, and I, I know you wanted to also mention, you know, these these new state employees, new state agencies uh, now to look, to look forward to, Senator. Well, what is a surplus? A surplus is an unexpected abundance of money above and beyond what they had expected or originally projected to be collected. And this surplus is exceeding $18 billion. So that $18 billion is over collection from hardworking taxpayers. Then instead of rightfully giving back that money to whom it was over collected, radical progressives believe that they can spend other people's money better than they can spend themselves. And so they've made the decision to spend $17.9 billion of that budget. What are they going to spend it on? Well, they're going to create new agencies. And they're going to expand existing agencies to the tune of 2,300 new state employees. These are state agencies that are already bloated, that are already inefficient, and they want to just simply double down and make it even worse, growing government on the backs of overcollected money from taxpayers 
when taxpayers themselves are struggling just to get by in their day-to-day lives due to inflation, increased taxes, and the other types of expenses that are in their lives. This is just downright sickening what the radical progressives are doing with these this surplus. And how worried are you that, that this is it for many businesses, especially small business owners in Minnesota, that they're just going to move, call it quits, go to, go to South Dakota, uh, go to Wisconsin? Well, last December, we've had mainstream media report that for the second year in a row, Minnesota's population has stagnated. People are already recognizing this is a very hostile place to live, work, or visit. And so people are leaving. And the same is also true of businesses. I receive communications. I've spoken to other colleague legislators in both the House and the Senate who receive similar communications, not just from people that are leaving, but business owners. Businesses understand, business owners understand that there are more friendly places that they can relocate their businesses. And as, as, as expensive as that may be, it's actually cheaper for many of these businesses to close their doors in Minnesota, relocate to another state, and take their high-paying, good jobs with them, which, again, is going to be very critical as a negative impact on Minnesota's future economic viability. We also had this fight over lunch money play out um, in, in St. Paul that that we know in the end the DFL passed as well. You voted against that $200 million a year plan uh, in the Senate, but four of your Republican colleagues voted in favor of it. Talk about why this was something uh, you didn't support from the beginning. Well, that surplus we just referenced, a significant chunk of that $18 billion plus surplus is one-time money from the federal government due to COVID relief-related funds. And so creating brand new programs that are going to be going uh, persistent into the future using one-time money is not a good formula. And so what's going to happen in the future is either there's going to be a deficit and the program is going to have to be eliminated or taxes are going to be increased. That's where I think the Democrats are are trying to move us. They want to, uh, in a time of surplus, they can't demand tax increases. So they're purposely trying to position the state to future deficits so they can uh, call for tax increases on the backs of hardworking Minnesotans. But this program then is seeking to provide free breakfast and lunch to all children across the state, regardless of income. And that is just something that we don't need in Minnesota, especially when portions of that money are one time from the surplus. And so we do not need to socialize school lunches or school food. There are programs out there, if there are children and parents that truly are having a hardship and their children don't have enough food, we already have enough existing programs to make sure that those children are indeed, uh, do have food. But to provide food for everybody, including children that don't need it, again, is just creeping socialism and it's, again, not going to work for the future of Minnesota's economic viability. I'm curious to your reaction about a recent Star Tribune headline featuring a story about you. They say that you're giving uh, the DFL majority a headache uh, this session. I'm wondering, uh, you know, congratulations, first of all, on on doing your job. But I guess you kind of had to laugh when you when you saw that headline. Well, the, the reality is the Minnesota Senate is 34 Democrats to 33 Republicans. That means 49 percent of Minnesota did not vote for the Democrat majority in the Senate. 
And so myself, Senator Grunhagen, Senator Draskowski, and other Republicans are simply fighting for the values, fighting for the voices of that 49% that did not support the Democrat majority in the Senate. And so what I call standing up for the Constitution, standing up for the truth, advancing parental authority and family values, Democrats call a headache. The Star Tribune and other mainstream media calls a headache. That's the that's the laughable part. All we're simply trying to do is fight for the rights of smaller government and constitutional principles. If that's a headache to the Democrats, well, then they need to realign their priorities to get in line with the great founding principles of this country and state. On that note, Senator, this session we know has been moving at a breakneck speed with all with all that's gone on. You've been around for a while. Uh, in the House, first of all, um, and that was in uh, 2014, so about nine years now at the Capitol. Just compare, you know, what you've seen in in, in sessions past to what is playing out uh, this session. Yeah, I've had the privilege of serving in the legislature for nine years, as you just mentioned. And uh, in that time, I've been in both the majority and the minority. And this is something uh, that I've not seen before. It's this majority, this extreme radical progressives are moving legislation so fast for really one primary reason. And that is they're relying on the corporate legacy media to not report what's happening so they can advance this and get this this extreme legislation signed into law before Minnesota hardworking uh, people across the state are aware, and then it'll be too late. And then doing it as early as possible so that before the next election comes, people will have forgotten. So it's either... People aren't aware of the agenda. They're moving so fast or it's moving so early in the session that people have forgotten. As, as we close here, I wanted to spend a bit talking about education, something I know you're passionate about. But private schools across the state are, are booming and you've pulled no punches on this. Uh, you're very active on, on Twitter, pointing this out and, and Facebook as well. But we have dismal test scores in, in public school. You know, we're, we're Minnesota really used to, to lead the way. What fixes this mess we we seem to be in now in this state? Well, here's the solution. We need to empower parents to be the decision makers for their children's education. Now, that can go by any number of names. I don't care what you want to call it. It could be uh, tuition tax credits. It could be vouchers. It could be uh, however it's called. But one of the silver linings of the COVID uh, era has been parents were able to look over the shoulders of their children and view firsthand the curriculum and content that their children are being exposed to. And many parents became very upset because it is not the quality. It is not the type of content and curriculum that's going to allow our children to excel either academically or uh, into adulthood. Now, when we compare Minnesota to other states, we are falling behind. When you compare Minnesota to other countries, whereas other countries and other states are focused on reading, writing, and arithmetic, We've got the most powerful and influential union in the state, Education Minnesota, that comes to the the Senate Education Finance Committee, of which I'm a member, and they're promoting divisive content focused on extreme topics, CRT, and gender confusion. It is not going to be helpful. It is not going to allow our children to excel and compete uh, with children in other states or other uh, parts of the world in this global competitive workforce. And that's the devastating thing. By the time that that people actually are able to be aware of this, it might be too late for the children. That's why I'm among others that are really pushing to empower parents to make the best decisions. And that is the reason why 
homeschooling and private schools are flourishing in Minnesota because people are realizing government schools are not delivering what needs to happen for their children. Well, Minnesota State Senator Eric Lucero, we're very appreciative of your time. We know it's a busy time to, to connect uh, at the Capitol. So thank you so much for, for being my guest today. Well, I appreciate it. Always a pleasure to join you as we continue fighting for the truth and the future of our great state. Thank you, sir. And that'll do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We will see you next time.